Welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Ben Gessling at the, of the Star Tribune at TCO Performance Center Listen, in at the Star Tribune. Egan. Yeah, no, gonna... that's weird. <laughs> Calm we, down, guys. We're not coming to the office. We're embedded uh, at the Vikings headquarters where they're returning from the bye week. We've got to see who's in, who's out. Those are the big question marks surrounding this 6-6 six and six team that's suddenly tied with the Green Bay Packers in a wild card spot in the NFC. Um, the NFC North somehow has three playoff teams currently. Toughest division in the conference. Through week, <laughs> week 13, just as we all expected after Jordan Love was shellacked by Brian Flores not that long ago. He's looking like he's on top of the world now, uh, beating the Kansas City Chiefs. But we're going to talk about the Vikings. Material in the NFC North for old takes exposed this year, I will say that. Probably including some of our stuff. There are. Yeah, no, there really are. Um so we'll talk about Justin Jefferson, the Vikings quarterback situation, who's in, who's out. We don't quite have uh, the declaration from Kevin O'Connell of who's starting at quarterback, but Ben, when they left that Chicago loss 12-10 on Monday night, entering the bye week, uh, he said they were going to think about it. He said we were going to take a big step back and really evaluate what we're doing here and look at all of our options at quarterback. Uh, what is the sense that you're getting about what direction they're going to be heading? Here? Yeah, I mean, when he said that, that Monday night, it certainly looked like, okay, they're going to maybe make a quarterback switch here. My sense is that they're not going to. My sense is that it's still going to be Josh Dobbs starting on Sunday against the Raiders. It may be that they have a little bit of a different approach. Obviously, Justin Jefferson is coming back, and maybe you try to find some things that work better with Dobbs and some of the things that they did in those first two games maybe is where you see the shift but I expect that Dobbs is going to be the starter once again against the Raiders does that mean he's starting the rest of the year not necessarily Um, I think it probably comes down to how he does with it and how much patience they have with him but I as as early as the end of last week I started to hear chatter from people that are in the know on things saying Hey, it looks like they may not switch. It, it, at that point, it didn't seem final. Um, I ex- and Wes Phillips said it today that Kevin O'Connell will announce a decision tomorrow. But everything I have heard in the last few days would lead me towards Josh Dobbs. And frankly, I think we talked about it last week. You know, kind of parsing O'Connell's comments, saying, "Well, that probably means it's Mullins." So we should kind of give ourselves a moment here to say, "Yeah, it it, <laughs> it looked." At this time last week, like it was not going to be Dobbs, but uh, my sense has been that the way they've gone through the week and the way they've gone through their own evaluation of what their options look like is that it's going to lead them back to Josh Dobbs. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation. That incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. Yeah, we've heard from um, at least Wes Phillips on the record. Kevin O'Connell won't talk, address reporters publicly until tomorrow, Wednesday, as you mentioned. So if you're listening to this on Wednesday, you may already have the Vikings' official announcement of who's starting. But when Wes Phillips is asked about 
having the bye week to assess the four games with Josh Dobbs and potentially change things around him. He said, you know, hopefully we can get into some stuff that's better for him and better for us. I mean, it basically kind of sounded like they're going to go back to Josh. And I think the, the big thing is, is that he talked about how, you know, we really looked at this as a coaching staff about what we can do better around the quarterback. And frankly, you don't score 10 points at home against a lowly Bears team unless a lot goes yeah. wrong. So it would seem like they think they can play much better around Josh, even though his four interceptions in that game is that number that everyone kind of looks at. Yeah, and and a lot of people pointed this out after the game that a number of those went off receivers' hands. And, and some of that's receivers, some of that's probably ball placement from him. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. But one thing that will help him on Sunday is – he has a receiver that has not played in seven weeks that has put together a decent resume over the last three years and presents a, a pretty friendly target, uh, whether on shorter stuff or longer stuff, has shown he's got a pretty good catch radius. <laughs> yeah, Justin Jefferson's all right. A guy yeah. who's can moves like Keenan Allen, but his arms are as long as DeAndre Hopkins. It's quite, yes. the, quite the combination they've got. In this guy, I, they did discuss before the bye week about how the practice ramp-up period for Justin was designed in part to get him work with these other quarterbacks, yep. not just Nick Mullins, who was working with the second team, but also Josh Dobbs, who was working with the starters. Justin Jefferson has caught practice uh, reps or ran practice routes for all of these guys, including Dobbs. So this week, if it is Dobbs, they're going to work exclusively together because Justin Jefferson's coming back from this seven-game uh, absence. And you had asked, um, I believe, well, I guess it would have been at one of these press conferences O'Connell had mentioned about Jefferson coming back saying kind of we've had a date in mind and we didn't yeah. want anything to kind of obstruct that. I wouldn't be shocked if this was their plan all along. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they looked at it and it was going to be – probably on the, the later end of that four to six week thing anyway. So it's like when you get to that point, um, if the buy is, is kind of lurking around the corner anyway, it probably incentivizes a little more caution saying, let's not have something go wrong. And then coming into the buy when we could have just waited one more week to make 100% sure that he's good to go for this last stretch. Yeah, because we've seen it so much with hamstring injuries kind of crop up and with him having – and the Vikings having these five games to really control their own destiny in terms of the playoffs, you win out, you get a playoff spot. Um, they needed him healthy. And what do you think it can do for the offense? Uh, I think it's interesting that you've seen Jordan Addison in that number one role now. You've seen TJ Hawkinson get leaned on even more with uh, – I don't know if they're broken ribs, but injured ribs yeah. certainly that he's dealing with. I think it's going to be fascinating to see that passing game come together, even if it still is Josh Dobbs. You know, Kirk's not coming back through that door. Um, to see Addison go back to that number two role after having that experience, it might be a more complete passing game uh, and at least one that seems more suited to take advantage of everything they have to offer. Yeah, I would expect that it's going to look different. They're going to get defended differently because I can't imagine the Raiders are going to come into this game saying, well, you know, uh, we, we got to play them straight because – Justin Jefferson hasn't played in seven weeks, so we can't just shade coverage his way. I I don't think that'll be the case at all. I think it will go back to we cannot let this guy beat us because he will kill us if we play him straight. So we have to shade coverage his way. We have to put safeties over the top of him or, or rotate safeties in his direction. You know, However the teams want to do it, we've seen a number of different things. I expect that will happen on Sunday, which, yeah, it, it is interesting then to say – 
how will that benefit Addison? How will that benefit TJ Hawkinson? How might that benefit Josh Dobbs when he hasn't had this level of repertoire or what am I trying to say? Arsenal. Arsenal. What am I? What word am I trying to say with an R? I don't know. Somebody let me know. Uh, he hasn't had this level of Arsenal to work with um, the last four weeks. So you add Justin Jefferson back to that, then uh, it, there's more to go with. There's some other word I'm trying to chew on. No one cares. I'll figure it out later. <laughs> Tweet me if you know what I'm trying to say. Just, Something with an R. Justin Jefferson is in. Joshua Dobbs seems like he's going to be in. Um, let's go to the defensive side. It does sound like they're going to have a Caleb Evans back. Yep. He said that he was going to be full go this week. Um, he missed two games with the calf strain. He started the first 10 games and really has been, um, I don't want to go as far as to say revelation. That might be preserved for guys like Josh Metellus or guy Ivan Pace. Yeah. But a Caleb Evans has played well and maybe better than we thought or I thought heading into this season in terms of not getting exposed or beat deep too often. When he's out, we see Makai Blackman get beat by Cortland Sutton on a game-losing touchdown. Um, so with Caleb Evans coming back, it does not sound like they're going to get Jordan Hicks back. Uh, well, he's not eligible this week, but then we'll see beyond that. Yeah. Um, what have your impressions been of a Caleb Evans and what his return can do for this defense? Well, I mean, I think he's probably been there one of their more consistent corners and not perfect by any means, but he at least has not been a liability where it's, Hey, let's figure out where 21 is and throw at him every single time. You you started to see a little more of that. And Makai Blackman has made a few plays in the process of this, but you do see a little more of, Hey, where's, where's number five at? Let's kind of, let's go pick on him. I, you don't see teams doing that with Evans to the degree that you might've. So, I mean, None of these corners came into the season with any type of pedigree. So if if they get to a point where it's not some type of a major liability, and they they haven't been, and I think they've been helped by the pass rush and the way that they play things in the process of that too, but they have not been exposed to the degree that their inexperience might have suggested they could. Devontae Adams presents a challenge this week. I mean, we'll see how the, the Raiders go after these corners with him, and it's not – uh, experienced quarterback it's not Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams it's Aiden O'Connell and Devontae Adams so we'll see how that goes but yeah overall I think Evans being back is is a a benefit to that defense yeah I think Evans I think what you miss most there is going from you know you can it's 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 fun to throw at the guy who's five foot eleven right yeah <laughs> Makai Blackman yeah. standing as, as short as he did and Cortland Sutton giving you know I think it was five inches that he had over him um a Caleb Evans, though, I, his physicality, the way he plays on the perimeter, that's the kind of stuff that fits what Brian Flores wants yes. to do. And I, I think of the play just before he got hurt. I think it was the first play of that Saints game. He drilled Michael Thomas in the back, led to an incompletion, forced him to cough it up. I mean, those are the kind of things that you're seeing from from him at 6'2 that you need to see. And it seems like he's not leading with his head as much. Yep. He's not you know, putting his brain in the line of fire as much as he was before. Uh, so if he can stay on the field, remember this is just a, a calf strain, a low low uh, leg injury he's dealing with. So if he can come back and stay on the field, that's going to be one of the developmental success stories that when we talk about in the offseason, this defense, Brian Flores, potentially head coaching uh, discussions with him if he gets interviews, um, it's going to be players like him, Metellus, Pace, that we talk about. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of what Brian Flores had to say when he was asked today about, hey, your name getting thrown into these head coaching circles. He's a guy who's been a head coach before. He is suing the league 
for racial discrimination, but he's coaching so well that NFL owners are probably going to come back around and, and talk to him. Yeah, they're certainly going to talk to him. I think, I mean, he basically said today that we have 35 days left and I've asked players to give me their undivided attention and their undivided focus for these 35 days so we can make the most of it. It would be disingenuous for me then to not give them the same thing in return. Um, That's a fairly standard answer to what you hear this time of year. And I, I think it's the right approach, but... It's pretty common, I think, from what you hear from coaches, especially when we're not like a week out from the end of the season. It's five weeks out from the end of the season. And then even then, before the, the head coaching stuff really gets going, it's probably a little longer than that. Um, I do think it's going to be interesting to watch how this goes because of a lot of the reasons that you mentioned. I also think, I mean, when I talked to them before the season, he mentioned a lot about how tough these last few years have been on his family. I mean, some of that is the things that they've heard in in the wake of the lawsuit probably at school. But, you know, this is a guy that coached in New England for 14 years or something to that effect and and spent a lot of his career in New England, kind of able to be in one spot in a way that coaches generally are not. Coaches bounce around and move a lot and their families move a lot as a result of that. But he went from that level of stability to New England, to Miami, to Pittsburgh, to Minnesota in the span of five years or so so i don't know that he's going to be like okay i'm going to take the first thing that comes along just to be a head coach again i think he if the right offer comes around i would not expect him to turn it down if if the patriots that would be the one i mean to me if if they fired belichick and bob Kraft said we want you to come be the head coach it would be hard to turn that down, I would think, especially knowing that you're going to be able to pick your quarterback in the top couple picks of the draft. You have an owner that doesn't seem like a knee-jerk guy. It's not going to be somebody that you don't know, that you're not sure of who you're getting into business with. I, I think he's smart enough to know that, and I think we've talked about it, but rightly or wrongly, you're not going to get a third shot, probably. Should he be in a spot where he got fired as as a result of those first few years in Miami? I don't think so. And we know enough to know that that was not a situation that was handled well by anybody. Um, Stephen Ross was, and the Dolphins got docked a first-round draft pick. I mean, it was serious stuff that he alleged, and a lot of it was corroborated by the NFL's investigation. That said... This is still a group, and you mentioned it. it. This is a group of owners that somebody is going to have to kind of, I don't know if break ranks, but there there is a little bit of that in the ownership stuff where somebody is going to have to be the, the guy that steps out and says, yes, I am hiring the guy that is suing several of my partners in the NFL ownership uh, in the membership, as they call it. I don't think it was just lip service when Brian Flores said in his Thanksgiving week press conference, I'm thankful to the Wolves for allowing me yep. to be here. Yep. Um, I, I think he uh, he's, would know better than me and certainly anybody listening to this that um, it took the Roonies yep. 
in Mike Tomlin to get him back into the NFL as a defensive assistant. And it took the Wilfs, who have been that kind of social justice leading, uh, you know, where certainly owners like the McNairs and with the Texans or Jerry Jones with Dallas, like other owners have been much more reticent to stand with their players on issues that Brian Flores is kind of suing over. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And I think think there's that. I think it's Kevin O'Connell saying – I'm going to bring in a guy that we know this is going to be one of the questions that comes up. And, you know, people, NFL teams hate distractions. They were what they deem to be a distraction, even if it's not really a distraction. They don't like controversy or juicy headlines that don't come in the ways that they want them to come. So um, they don't like headlines that they don't have some level of knowledge of or, or control over or however you want to put it. So, for him to do it, it, it's being signing off on that part of it. And it's also saying this is a guy who's more accomplished or more experienced, I guess, as a head coach than I am. I, he's done it three years to O'Connell's one. And he says, let's, let's bring him in and basically let him come up with a completely new way of playing defense. As Kevin Seifert wrote about a couple of weeks ago, and we've talked about the blitz percentages and then the, even the, the number of times they drop eight into coverage. It took some testicular fortitude to to do it, um, to say, let's just turn this over to this type of an approach. It, it took the thing that Mike Zimmer praised Case Keenum for years ago to say, let's just let's go kind of turn the defense over the way you want to do it. And it's worked tremendously well. And people are benefiting from that as a result i I think that's a good thing but yeah it it is going to be interesting to see how it goes and i think given all of those things he is i think going to be fairly choosy with the opportunities that may come his way here in a month or so so you're saying david tepper might not intrigue him Uh, (laughs) yeah yeah i i can't imagine that that's going to be the one that you jump for it's also interesting because he's a defensive coach and the trend now is to get the offensive coach because typically if you were a strong defensive coach and you have a nice offensive mind underneath you that guy is going to get hired away you're going to lose him you'd much rather lose your defensive coach uh, especially as it's tied to not tied to the quarterback that matters so much so it will be fascinating to see if if for instance the Kraft family with their new clean slate at quarterback it would seem would even want to go the defensive route or a known commodity route tied to the Belichicks who they might get rid of the McCaskey family did um yeah yeah that would be interesting I don't I don't I think they'd probably go with an offensive quarter uh, an offensive coach to develop a quarterback and that's yeah they just had the defensive guy you you, we were already writing Eberflus off but with that name I mean you got to um so I just I don't think Eberflus is long for that job no um yeah that would be a fascinating one as well but uh, Kevin Warren running things over there too yeah um Anyway, but before we go, we should talk about one more key name on Brian Flores' defense, whether they're in or out. We've got a lot of questions about Marcus Davenport. Uh, Davenport has been out since the October 15th win in Chicago. He underwent tightrope surgery on his high ankle sprain that he suffered in that game. Uh, He's been out ever since. He's eligible to come back, but what is your sense on when he'll come back? Well, I mean, I don't think I would expect it sooner than later i mean it's not going to be this week from my from no, what we can glean yeah no i i think the seriousness of that operation i mean that's a tough one to come back from in a in a short amount of time and 
yeah, I I think it will take some time to get him ready to get him back into football shape. He, I think, I mean, we saw it earlier in the year. They were on a longer timetable to get him back from the stuff that he had been playing through earlier in the year. Um, I would expect that the timetable is going to be similarly uh, deliberate with him going forward. Well, they've managed to uh, – Brian Flores spent much of the beginning of the season talking about how we really need this guy, really need this guy. And, like, I believe it. He's talented yeah. in a yeah. way that, you know, the guys that they are playing there, Wanham, Jones, they don't have that physical talent. Yeah. However, they've done kind of all right without him. Yeah, um, they, they have. Uh, all I went back and looked at this. All but one of their last six games, they've held opponents to both, either 21 points or fewer or 325 yards or fewer. Yeah. Like it, it was just the Chiefs game yeah. where they've allowed more than that. And yeah, and that happens against the Chiefs. Yeah, right. Well, unless you're the Packers, apparently. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> been a, a lot of changes in this division this year, but yeah, I mean, it, it's. I think we talked about it a little bit that some of it becomes knowing how good the defense is and how little they're giving up. If you can go score 17 points or 21 points you're going to win a lot of these games i think we made the jokes last week about like what year is it who's the head coach this feels like the conversations you used to have with mike zimmer and i mean now if the defense continues to play that well you get justin jefferson back there's reason to think it could it could get a boost again here i mean we'll see if it works but the turnovers i mean the turnovers have to stop yeah i mean that, that just has to stop and i think if they don't stop people will start to lose their jobs over it. I mean, they, I think they will pull players if they are repetitively the source of turnovers. But uh, short of that, I think they have a chance to get it going again. On that note, we'll get into this more tomorrow too after after O'Connell announces the decision of who's starting a quarterback. But on that note, the quarterback has been responsible, whether it was Kirk yep. or Dobbs. Um, they've been responsible for a lot of those yes, turnovers. Yes, they have. It seems like they're setting up for this could be a week-to-week question of – Whoever it is, if it's Dobbs keeping that job, he's going to have to keep playing every week to keep it. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I, I think one of the – I mean, certainly it's no mystery that they want to see the turnovers drop. And I think some of that is maybe getting through your reads a little quicker too. I think that's one of the things they have wanted to see him do a little bit better over the course of – or they want to see him do better over the course of the next few games here. Um that, that if you put some more of those things in rhythm, you may cut down on some of the turnovers that way as well. Um, and if you're not holding the ball as much, you're not as susceptible to strip yeah. sacks. So there's all of those things that go into it. But um, yeah, I, I think he's certainly been a big part of it. And that's what started this whole discussion is the, the four turnover game when Kevin O'Connell basically said, we're going to look at everything. Yeah. But um, you know, there, there's a lot that, goes into this discussion too it's like does he feel confident in nick mullins after that back injury does he feel confident in jaron hall after a little bit of playing time but not enough to probably say everything is ready to go so i mean all of these things are are part of the discussion it's you can't draw up your perfect solution to this in a lab right now um you have to get through the last part of the season with what you think is the best option. It's wild that we're talking about a playoff contending team. Now I don't think anybody's putting them in the Super Bowl discussion, but yeah. play, playoff contending team being in a week to week deal with their quarterback. Yeah. It also shows when you see Jake Browning and what he did against the Jaguars on Monday night that 
with these backup quarterbacks, whether it was Dobbs in, in Atlanta, yeah. whether it was Jake Browning last night, like you can get these kind of one-off performances that make you think like, do you got something here? And then the consistency is where it falls yes. off when you don't have a Kirk Cousins. You don't have the guy who started every year, every week, year after year. Um, so it, it's just, it feels a little bit like a mystery box with the Vikings every Sunday. You're going to open it up and just see what you get at that quarterback spot. Yeah, and you hope that enough times you open it up. I mean, they hope that they open it up enough times to say, oh, we win three of the last five and get in at nine and eight. I mean, I would think that would get it done. But Well, and to your point about the turnovers, like with how well the defense is playing, that's all they really need yeah. is, is ball control yep. and try to make it work. Yep. Um, all right, well, we will continue to control the clock here tomorrow. Uh, we'll record with Mike Randleby here at TCO. We'll hear from Kevin O'Connell about who the starting quarterback is, and we will break it all down. Until then, please check out all of our work at startribune.com. 